Welcome, everyone, to a very special edition of the Take It Home podcast. This past Saturday, I was in attendance at the New Japan Battle in the Valley show right here in my hometown of San Jose, California, at the uh, the historic Civic Auditorium. Um, hosted many wrestling events there, uh, some MMA events there. Uh, it was a building run by uh, legendary promoter Roy Shire for the big time wrestling territory. Um, it's a, you know, it's, I love that building for pro wrestling. It's seats about, I think it's like a little over 2,500 for pro wrestling. There's not a bad seat in the house for a pro wrestling event. Um, it's a good place to see a concert as well. I've seen comedy shows there. Um, like I said, I've been to an MMA show there for the old strike force promotion. Um, and you know, a ton of wrestling shows there. And like I said, there's, not a bad seat in the house. Of course, we had a great seats for this event, and it was a pretty loaded event. A very uh, at first, it was you know New Japan's coming back to the Northern California. They've come here a few times. It's kind of like one of their their normal stops once a year, and you know people were, there was not that much of a buzz about this one until the Tokyo Dome, until the former Sasha Banks, now Mercedes Monet, came out challenged attacked and then challenged Kyrie for her IWGP women's championship and challenged her at battle the in the valley in San Jose for that title so once that happened tickets started going started moving more matches were announced and New Japan because this was a pay-per-view show which by the way was only $20 on fight tv which to me, that's just a steal. Twenty bucks for this show, with a pretty loaded card with a lot of big important matches on it. Like I said, a total a total steal. I mean, they could have honestly done thirty bucks, but um, which still would have been cheap. But hey, keep that twenty bucks. That's a good. That's a good uh, price for these pay per views. And um, and after the production issues they had, we'll talk about that. They should probably just keep it twenty bucks. Um, at that but um but yeah it was uh as the you know weeks were leading up to this match this 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 card a lot of matches were announced and a lot of more talent was announced and it felt like a, a loaded show because that's what it was because this was a big show for for new japan they only spent a lot of money on mercedes monet invested a, a lot in her there and they wanted this show to be a success and and I'm, I'm happy they did that. I'm happy they didn't just like, okay, it's a one-match show. We're going to throw a bunch of random matches on there. I like that they really put their best foot forward when it comes to the, to the card itself. Um, there is 10 matches total. Two of the matches were on the, the pre-show. And so there's a lot to dive into on this show. I'm going to have – what you're going to get in this podcast is, as my loyal listeners know. But in fact, there might be some new listeners coming in. Curious about, uh, you know, review of this show. Um, you're going to get, from my experience of pro wrestling, from my years of booking, all pro wrestling, for running my own promotion premiere, uh, working with a lot of great talent. I'm going to really break down uh, a lot of these matches. Um, a lot different than a lot of people. I, I've listened to a few reviews of shows. A lot of people, deserve in this show, deservedly so, 
gets a lot of high praise because it was a very good show. But I think some of the stuff they missed in certain matches that I think should be mentioned and should be critiqued. You know, this is going to be construction constructive criticism. Um, I'm not here to bash anyone, but I'm you know I'm I'm gonna point out some things that I felt eh, they could have you know went a different way or, or they probably should have cut out. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely be, uh, a totally different review than you probably already heard before. So I think you're going to like it and I hope you learn some stuff about, um, about what I'm going to say on these matches. Um, but let's get into it. Of course, the show started at 620. That was for the pre-show. Um, I made sure I got there right on time because I knew the opening match had uh, one of the people that I really work closely with in all pro wrestling and premier wrestling and a guy that I just, you know, just one of my favorites to work with, the God of War, J.R. Kratos. Uh, what, a tr- what a tremendous talent. Great human being. I'm so glad that He's in New Japan now, and they recognize his talents, and he's been uh, uh, featured heavily on their uh, U.S. strong brand. But I really want to see him get an opportunity to go to Japan. He's been there in Japan before with uh, All Japan Wrestling, um, I think right in uh, 2020, right, just right before the, the pandemic really just, you know, shut the world down. So... Um, I, I want to see him do some tours for New Japan because um, he's a great talent and, you know, he's such a pro and I can see why New Japan likes him. You know, he's he's uh, just, to me, the complete package of a model employee you want on your cards. He wrestled Alex Coughlin, of course, one of the originals of the, uh, the new LA Dojo under uh, Shibata. Uh, Alex Cox has been fighting some injuries and he's been, uh, you know, some delays, but you know, all those LA dojo guys are really solid workers and, um, you know, Carl Fredericks, you know, deservedly so got a lot of attention, very charismatic. Um, just, uh, you know, he took the young lions by storm and, and, uh, Clark Connor, same as well. And Coughlin, I think, cause the injuries kind of, kind of put him on the, put him back a bit but he's back he's the uh i think he's the cyborg they said he came out in the mask um he looks great he's always looked great power powerful kid and, and so was jr so he, it was a perfect opening match um alice Colgan pinned jr kratos in 10 minutes seven seconds i mean it was uh it probably went maybe just a i would say about a minute maybe too long maybe a minute 32 long i thought like they kind of might have hit their peak with this audience and then right when I was just thinking that, uh, it just felt like the audience kind of dipped. And then they went to the finish, which was this really great uh, delayed German suplex by Coglin on JR with a beautiful bridge. And it was an awesome sight because JR is such a massive human being. You know, he's just, you can just, <laughs> you can feel, yeah, show a movie on his back, right? He's just a massive guy. And Coglin, you know, he's a, a big dude himself. So when he picks up, Kratos, he holds him up in the air and stalls and then just brings him back. Really awesome moment. And I just thought it was a really, you know, solid opening match um, to get the crowd as they were filing in. The ones that got there early, like myself, uh, retreated to a really good opener and it got us really buzzing and got the audience buzzing. You know, they did the simple stuff. You know, they did like 
big chops for uh, the, you know big chops to make that big sound and the crowd was going you know nuts and um jr being the local guy um, though he's from sacramento the local because they seen him on cars not only here in san jose but all over the northern california scene um so they're really behind him and i was kind of hoping he was going to get the win here just you know my biased <laughs> opinion there just for you know for him i you know i wanted that to happen for him but i kind of like could see that alex Cogman. You know, he's breaking out of the Young Lions and he's now, you know, has this cyborg um, character and they're just getting him going. So I, I kind of felt that he was probably going to get the win. But I was kind of hoping, you know, give Kratos that hometown win. But either way, I mean, both guys are tremendous job. And um, I think Kratos is continue going to continue to grow with New Japan. And, and again, like to see him on future New Japan Dome shows. The next match was David Finley uh, versus Bobby Fish. That match went 10, 10 minutes and six seconds. Um, this match was okay. Um, I like Finley a lot. I always enjoyed his work. Bobby Fish, I like Bobby Fish, but lately, if he's not with Kyle O'Reilly, I just as a, I'm not into his singles work lately. I don't know what it is. It's just. Um, I just feel like he excels in tag team wrestling um, here versus David Finley. Um, I I felt like this was go- it went on forever though it's still like one second less than Alex Colgan versus Jr. Kratos, but I just wasn't feeling this match. Like there was, it just felt like they weren't connecting. At this point, people were just chatting. Of course, at the same time as this was going on, I think I, I saw a lot of people because. Elimination Chamber was going on on the Peacock Network. A lot of people were had their phones on watching Elimination Chamber. So there's a lot of that too as well. People distracted with that because, you know, it's a big, big show in the WWE. It's a big match with Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns for the title. Um, a lot of people were distracted with that. So as they're waiting for that to start, they're still watching some of the stuff already happening on the Elimination Chamber. But I thought the match didn't really do anything he really grabs anyone's attention. Um, you know, Bobby Fish is not the most charismatic guy. Uh, so I just think it was just a match. And like I said, it felt like it was like 15 minutes, but it only went 10. And not only were people looking at their phone, of course, watching Elimination Chamber, but you could hear chatter with the audience, right? And I don't think that... I think the, the match they had probably was the wrong call for what they did later in the evening. Um, and I'll talk about that when we get there. But I felt for what they what Finley, David Finley did later in the evening, you know, he should have been a little more aggressive in this match, maybe more dominant in this match. Um, and win a little more decisively in this match. Uh, maybe he should have, could have, could have worked someone more beloved, I guess. I mean, people respect Bobby Fish there. I think they, they, you know, they enjoy seeing him because they, they, they remember him from you know, RH and NXT, and then um, of course his little run in AEW there. But, but I just don't. I think he's been around for so long. It's just not super exciting to see him. But I think maybe he wrestled maybe like one of the younger guys. Um, Maybe like a, a DKC if Finley could have wrestled like a DKC and kind of really 
was a little more aggressive with a guy like that. Um, and I think that would have helped f- for what we saw later in the evening with David Finley. So, uh, so yeah, this was probably like my second least favorite match on the show. Um, but yeah, it, it, that's, it was just kind of there for me. Now, pre-show ended. I got up. I went to grab a drink because I was starving. I don't uh, just I needed something to just have in my stomach because for some reason I decided like not to have anything to eat before the show. I was uh, so busy just with the kids and 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 then um, my my good buddy Heartbreak Kid Dave Rubio was running a little late, so we kind of he's like, oh man, he's supposed to pick me up, and and so we decided. That I'll just take a lift there, and you know we'll 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 hang out, and we'll 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 do something after. And, and you know he he and he he said he'll he'll take me home. So I think I was kind of just like waiting on the lift. I wasn't even thinking about eating and all that stuff, and trying to time it correctly because I didn't want to get there way too early to the show. I wanted to kind of get there right just before things were going to start going with the matches. And so I just totally forgot to eat. So I was like so hungry. So um, I just kind of didn't want like. I knew I was gonna eat later, so I didn't want to eat. I thought I would be okay, so I just got like a drink, and and as I'm sitting there bullshitting with people, ran to my good buddy, uh, Baby Huey from uh, 107s on the Bone, of course, in the Click Podcast, who I uh, who I go on there as a special guest from time to time. We caught up, we started rapping, we started talking. Always so great to see that guy. I love that guy. He's such a good dude. Um, introduced him to my, my good buddy, uh, the Heartbreak Kid, David Rubio. So they were chatting up. We we're talking about old school uh, radio stations in the area, you know, our love for Live 105. And, you know, as we're talking and talking and talking, it's like, I'm like, I kept thinking, like, when's this show going to start, right? Like, what's going on here? Um, I thought it starts at seven, but as we're past seven now, and I'm like, what the heck's going on? So I'm like, I think it's gonna start soon, guys. We should probably get to the, back to our seats. So we said bye to baby Huey. He he was up, he was doing press there uh, for the In the Click podcast. So he was up in media, and and so you know, the heartbreak hit, and I we go and sit down, and I that's when I found out from my buddy Jeremy Feinstone um, from the Strictly Strong Style po- podcast here on our YouTube channel for Fight Game uh, Media. And Gary Gonzalez, of course, was there as well. And uh, Brian Rue was there. Good buddy, Brian. A uh, bunch of other, you know, Christopher Garcia. A bunch of people from, you know, the Fight Game family. Listeners of the Fight Game podcast were there. And I was informed, like, there's a technical delay. And, and we all got a chuckle because, like, we're here in the, you know, the Bay Area. What kind of delay is going on? There's thought of maybe they were holding off the show because they didn't want to, you know, they want to wait till after the Sammy uh, Sammy Zayn and and Roman Reigns finish, but like it, it was only going to affect the first two matches, and it wasn't going to be that big of a deal. Um, so you know, basically the two, I mean, one's not technically a preliminary because for the title, but the opening eight man tag is a preliminary match. But you know, I just thought like I think most people watching live was probably fewer. I think most people probably watch the chamber live and then just going to catch the replay of this show. But I, apparently there's a lot of chatter online about the production, um, quality of the stream during the pre-show. And so they 
they went to fix it, but it took a, a long, 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 long time. We're just kind of sitting there and chatting. And it was like taking forever. And then finally I got up again, walked around again and then came back and finally the show started. And, uh, and that just delayed things. Cause we didn't get out of the show till like damn near uh, past midnight. So, uh, not a good look for new Japan. Um, with this production issues, but once they were all cleared, you know, we, we, we got a, a really good show. So, uh, but it was definitely frustrating. We waiting on that. So, but the first match of the pay-per-view was an eight man tag team match. Uh, the, uh, Volador jr. And Kushida with the DKC and Kevin Knight from the LA dojo, um, defeated impact, Wrestling's world champion Josh Alexander, Rocky Romero, Mascaro Dorado, and Adrian Adrian Quest, and uh, eleven minutes and twenty two seconds. This was a fun opener. A um, lot of action with the the Luchadors, Rocky Romero, who's a, a Rudo in CMLL, and he just recently won um, I think the middleweight title from Volador Jr. in a, in a really good match from what I heard. Haven't seen that match. I probably should go back and watch that match because I'm, I'm a big fan of Rocky Romero. Great dude, great talent, of course. Um, and I, you know, of the Luchadors, Volador Jr. is one of my favorites to watch. Um, so I'm, I'm sure they had a killer match. So I got to go back and watch that one. But the story was Rocky Romero, the Rudo, was, you know, staying away from Volador Jr., tagging in, tagging out, being very kind of annoying and stuff. Um, Cool to see Josh Alexander live for the first time. A um, lot bigger than I expected in person. Um, his exchanges with Kishida, their grappling really got me excited for that joint uh, New Japan Impact Wrestling pay-per-view uh, that's going to be during uh, WrestleMania week. I think it's on a Thursday night, I believe, uh, before WrestleMania. And... I believe that is the main event, which is you know Josh Alexander defending the Impact World Title against uh, against Kushida. So I shift just from I saw the sample with what they gave us, and that's what this match was designed for. For one of the main reasons for it was to you know build up interest in that match. So from seeing what they did in this match, like I said, I I definitely want to watch that preview. I was already. You know, hoping to go, but I look like it's already sold out. But um, but I think it's definitely gonna be worth the money to stream on online that day if you can't be there live. So um, the finish was a bit of a surprise at the time. Uh, there was a double team move. I think it was Kashida had Adrian Quest on his shoulders, and Kevin Knight did this. He has a major, amazing hop, super high drop kick. And from a standing position, hit a standing drop kick uh, on Adrian Quest, uh, and in, like almost like a doomsday device kind of deal, but without jumping on top rope, he just stood and jumped with great leaps and just hit an awesome drop kick on uh, on Quest and and got the pin. And that kind of surprised me because I, I thought you know maybe Kushida would get the win or or something, but a Rocky or. But it was uh, Knight that got the win, and it's going to play into something later on. Uh, but a key story of this match 
was that as the finish was happening, actually it wasn't Kushida because Kushida was with it, Josh Alexander, if I remember. Yeah, now that I remember correctly. I forget whose shoulders that Adrian Quest was on, but uh, anyways, Kushida and Alexander were locked in exchange, and Kushida had the double wrist lock locked on um, uh, Alexander. And as the pin was going on, and after the pin was made, Kushida still had the the double wrist lock locked on and he wasn't letting go for a bit. And there was like a little heated exchange between these two men, uh, building up interest. Like she kind of made a case like you know, he didn't hit a ref or he didn't hit a bell and you know, he had it locked on. And, and so there was some jaw jacking there. So it's going to be a, a baby face, baby face match at the pay-per-view. And there might be a little heated here and there, but uh, it's going to be tremendous that match looking forward to it. So, um, as we're, I forgot to mention this, it's kind of a pretty big news at the time uh, for a while, at least Saturday night and Sunday afternoon. Uh, a lot of people were at the show, taking this show in. Uh, first person I saw that kind of stood out to me, I was looking up at, you know, I was on the bottom level. It's a two level, uh, two level place. And I was kind of like on the, uh, the seated, uh, against the wall there a little elevated just a tad bit it's not that big of a elevation but it's perfect for wrestling and i looked up across the way and i was looking at the second deck and i just noticed like you know this well-dressed blonde and i'm like all right this is a wrestling show <laughs> you know like you don't see many women like this you know, dressed at a wrestling show at least and in a sea of like wrestling shirts and stuff up there you just see this this uh i think she was on a white it was giselle shaw from impact wrestling because was a hell of freaking talent um she was up there in the media section i thought the media section was gonna be lower but it apparently was all they're put up there and that's from our good buddy dave Meltzer was up there baby huey's up there um no way jose was up there <laughs> Uh, who else was up there? Uh, CM Punk was up there. Uh, that was, it was kind of like a, a buzz going on. Hey, CM Punk's here. And I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, right, right. But yeah, he was. He was there to check out the show. And and um, he was there with the Lars from Rancid, his good friend. And they were checking out the show, supporting Mercedes Monet. And, and, you know, as you know, CM Punk's, a you know, just a big wrestling fan. You know, was at one point scheduled to wrestle Tanahashi at that uh, Forbidden Door pay-per-view, which I was really excited about that match, but then, you know, Punk got hurt and all that thing, all that stuff changed, which was a bummer, but but so he's there, you know, he's a fan, so he was there checking out the matches, so that was so that was pretty cool, and of course later on during uh, Mercedes Monet's match uh, Bailey showed up I think I heard Naomi was there as well to support her um, Scott D'Amore for Impact Wrestling was there. He did commentary on the first match, the first match of the pay-per-view with, with Josh Alexander in, and of course, you know, helping build up that match with Kushida and Josh Alexander, promote the pay-per-view. He was doing commentary for that match. So a lot of people, just in my hometown of San Jose, it's a big, big city, and of course, a thriving city. Uh, uh, but like, just was still funny to me that everyone kind of came to this, because still, it's a historic building, but still such a small building, right? It's only a 2,500-seat building for wrestling. It just cracked me up. But, you know, this was a, a really important show, and uh, it's a pretty big deal to um, 
see Mercedes Martinez have her first post WWE match. So, match number two on the pay per view was Fred Rosser defending his strong open weight championship against Kenta. Um, I've been a huge fan of Fred Rosser since he showed up in New Japan Strong uh, during the uh, pandemic era. He's had some tremendous matches with Filthy Tom Lawler. I think the first match, and I think it was November of 2020, just oh, freaking love that match. He had, also had a really good match with J.R. Kratos. Um, Jerry Finestone of the of the uh, uh, Strictly Strong Style podcast mentioned because he he watches New Japan, you know, because of the podcast. He watches it like you know he watches everything. He's dialed in, and he mentioned that Fred Rosser's run as champion has been underwhelming. But the matches I've seen, which is Lawler, I've seen a match with the JR. I saw his match with Gresham. You know. And I think his work is fantastic. Uh, he's just so good. And he wrestled Kenta. And, you know, Kenta. Um, just, <laughs> he's, I like this Kenta. I love, like, heel Kenta coming out, attitude, uh, snarl on his face. But I felt like this audience was more of, truly was more of a WWE audience or they like New Japan from like Axis and they may just, you know, sign on to New Japan World for the Tokyo Dome show and they might sign back up maybe for the G1 final. Um, it just felt like they're more, I think they were all, majority of people were there to see Mercedes Renee. That's what drew, that's what made it, that's what sold the tickets. Um, but so when it came to Fred Rosser, a lot of fans were booing him and, and wanted Kenta to win the title. And, you know, Kent is a heel and Ross is the Bayface, and he's been a tremendous Bayface. So I was, like, kind of taken back at first, but I think people, you know, Fred Rosser, of course, was long time in WWE, but he, you know, wasn't a major player, was mostly an underneath guy. Um, uh, had a tag team with Tyus O'Neal, was, of course, in the Nexus uh, group before that, but was never really given too much of a, a, a big opportunity. Like, you know, I know, like, Tyus O'Neal and, Roser had a little bit of a push for like a month or two. It seemed like I'm trying to remember what year that was, but it wasn't long, and that was it. So, but I, I like Roser a lot. He's a hell of a talent. This was a good match. Um, but even though Kenta was healing, fans are still cheering for him and wanting Kenta to knock his head off and all that stuff. Um, um, but I think Roser really turned turned the crowd uh, to his favor as the match was going on because his hard work and these guys were really busting their ass. I really like this match. Um, it's uh, it's probably my um, third or fourth favorite match of the show. Just really well worked. Um, there was a ref bump, which led to uh, Juice Robinson coming out and getting involved, which led to Kenta hitting the go to sleep and, and winning the title and um um but yeah good match uh wasn't a fan of the ref bump stuff you know but it served its purpose i guess for, for the heel to go over and that you know after the match roster got a really nice standing ovation which was was really cool so 
good, good, good work match. I kind of want to go back and watch it. Um, I was talking to Heartbreak Kid Rubio. He went back and watched some of the show, um, and he said the the audio from the show on on video doesn't do it just didn't really capture it well. So a little low audio when it comes to the pay per view broadcast, but um, live there they were just really uh, a good crowd. So I'll go back probably check some of that out. Uh, the next match was the strong tag team champions and also the current impact tag team champions the Motor City Machine Guns uh, defending the titles against the West Coast Wrecking Crew, which is Jorel Nelson and Royce Isaacs. They're, of course, in Filthy Tom Lawler's group, Team Filthy. Um, this match I thought was fine. Um, I'll be honest, I, I missed... Uh, a little bit of it because uh, duty called and I had to go. <laughs> you know, that Coke was finally, uh, uh, you know, I had that Coke earlier and it was time to, you know, take care of business. So I went and did that and came back and I, th- the match was only nine minutes, 21 seconds. So I felt like they just kind of kept it moving. There was no like extended heat on anyone. I felt like it was just like short heats and I don't know, not much of a match. Just, it just felt like, Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Constant moves. Um, crowd was respectful. I don't think anyone was super. I don't think anyone kind of felt that the West Coast Wrecking Crew were going to win the tag team titles. Um, even the even if it's just a strong tag team titles that were online. So, and I don't think you want. I think for the pay per view, um, I think you want the more machine Motor City Machine Guns to come in still as double champions. So that makes sense to me, but. It was an okay match. Um, yeah, just just, just kind of there. Kind of like, you know, if I was going to rank it from, uh, you know, best to worst match, it just probably land on my third least favorite um, event. So, match. The next match was a pretty big match. Um, Eddie Kingston versus Jay White in a loser leave New Japan match. This match went 19 minutes and seven seconds. Um... To me, it was kind of a strange match that if, you know, I didn't know if this was actually going to be Jay White's last match in New Japan, but, and I always thought like, well, if it is, like, it's kind of weird that Eddie Kingston was the guy that, you know, ends <laughs> Jay White's career in New Japan, right? Just, but I think just the way that the, the cards fell with the booking that was happened already on strong. And, and when Jay White decided, I guess he was not going to resign with the company, um, they closed this storyline out with that stipulation. Of course, uh, Jay White lost uh, Loser League Japan match to Hikaleo, and then did Loser League New Japan match here with uh, Eddie Kingston. And it was kind of funny because, like I said, it was it wasn't it would be it probably would have meant more if um, there was someone from New Japan that was you know also could lose. Be lose the lose lose stipulation and be out of New Japan, but you know Eddie Kingston being an AEW guy, it just seemed kind of weird. But uh, but overall, it worked. I, I, I'm an Eddie Kingston fan. I, I really like him in AEW. I wish he was used more. Um, I wish he was featured more because he's such a beloved character. He's the everyman. You know, he's the guy. He's the tough guy from the block. He's the tough guy you root for. Um, you know. And he's a good promo. He's a, he's a believable guy. You believe who when when he, what he says and and you know I just I just can't believe AW just starts with him for a bit and it just doesn't follow up. And he's 
There's no reason for that. Like, there's no reason for that. He's, he's, you know, he doesn't might not do flips like Dante Martin or, you know, or, or Bandito, but, you know, Eddie Kingston will draw you more money than those guys. Let's be honest. Right. So I just, I just understand. I know Tony's trying to give time to everyone. He has a big bloated roster and he's trying to figure out everything. And, but there's one guy that kind of feature if he's healthy enough. I know he had, I think, I believe he was suffered an injury recently, but it'd be Eddie Kingston. And Jay White, my God, he's such a such an amazing performer. I've seen him live a few times, and um, he's just at another level of working. You know, classic heel timing, his selling, just the the uh, the small details, his feet work, positioning, like you know, and just he's a complete package. Yeah, you know, great promo, and my I I love his promos. Um. And it sucks that he's leaving New Japan, but I but I get it. Like he's basically done it all there, um, and he's still very young. And New Japan pays their top guys pretty well, but there's there's New Japan money, but then there's WWE money or AEW money on top the top top level AEW guys. And kind of the consensus from what I've gathered, a lot of people feel like. WWE will be his landing spot. Um, and I'm kind of rooting for that because I feel I, I want to see something different from Jay White. Not like I hope they keep him. I'm sure they're going to call him Jay White. And I don't know if they'll use the Switchblade name. But um, I think I want to see him there. I think he'll excel there, you know. And I think they'll they'll Triple H will push him really well. So. Long as Triple H is in charge of creative, the creative, I think Jay White will be uh, treated as a, uh, a a top guy early on. So, um, and I think he's talented enough to stay there. So, uh, and he's young enough. Like if it doesn't work out, he you know, wants to go to Japan. I'm sure they'll take to get back to New Japan and with open arms, obviously, just like Kushida did and others. So. You know, but he's young and he's, 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 you know, going to try something different. I don't, I don't blame him. And this match was really good. The only thing I didn't like about this match, it kind of like, I just didn't like the, the, the multiple resets where like they're sitting there in the middle of the ring and just staying there, straining chops. And I don't mind exchanging chops, but like move and sell, like sell and move and stumble back away and then, strike back you know like i get i know strong style but like it there's moments to do that you know like there's moments to do it or 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 just do it once but when you do it multiple times and you sit and you got two guys sitting there like okay your turn and opens up their chest your turn and it's just like uh but you know you cut some of that stuff out this has been a really damn good match um Kingston uh, kicked out of the uh, the switchblade move, the uh, that Jay White's finisher, which got a huge reaction. Once like once Jay White hit it, it was like, okay, oh Shay's done. Boom, kicks out. That was big. Once he Eddie kicked out, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not <laughs> Jay White's not winning this one. And then um, Eddie kept firing back with his back uh, back fists and. 
finally hit a, I believe, a Northern Lights bomb. One, two, and Jay White just barely, just almost like limp, he's limp, just kind of throws his arm up to break that count in an awesome moment. Great, perfectly timed, perfectly the way he did it, still like doing it strong. You know, he just like, he's just barely has a tiny bit of life left. He's just barely able to get that shoulder up. I thought that was a great moment. Of course, then, like a lot of Japanese wrestling matches, that happens, a big near fall like that, but then you just, the someone just hits their finisher again and, and ends up getting the win. That's what happened here. Eddie Kingston got the Northern Lights bomb and just uh, won the match there. But, um, yeah, you know, like I said, that was a very good match. Some of the stuff I could have, would have, done without like i said it's just the chop exchanges in the center of the ring was a little bit they did that a few times but other than that really good match and afterwards uh kingston gave jay white the floor jay white grabbed the mic and was about to say something out came david finley and, and hit him with his uh his cane and knocked out uh, jay white and and then finley cut a promo a passionate promo about his time and you know, finally his break, and this is going to, you know, he's done, get the hell out of my ring, all that stuff, you know, and just, and got a lot of heat from the crowd. Um, I think just like Jay White, when Jay White was, like, put in this position, a lot of people were like, he's not ready for this, he's, you know, he's too young, but, and so, you know, look what happened to Jay White, he was a tremendous success, and I think I kind of get that feeling with Dave Finley right now because he's kind of been on the underneath guy for a long time, but it's now his time to shine. And um, I think it's cool. They're giving him opportunity like this, giving him an opportunity to shine. And um, we'll see if he can uh, you know, hit a home run with it like Jay White did. Um, but that's a lot of big shoes to fill. He didn't say anything about Bullet Club or anything like that, so I don't know if he's any part of that deal. Um, I don't know this is the uh, the old Bullet Club new member thing and then juice robbins was there never came back out again and get no endorsement so i don't know if that's um going to happen but we shall see in the coming months uh but yeah this this is uh one of the matches i would highly recommend going out of the way to check out and and um as jay white was getting carried off and he's knocked out big really big uh reaction for him um this one fan, like sitting like three rows down from me, um, big time Jay White fan, and he was pissed. He was pissed off that Jay White lost. So it was a uh, a bummer for him. He had the Jay White gear on it, everything. He was just really upset. So, um, uh, so like I said, memorable match there. Um, the next match was my least favorite match of the night, and it kills me to say this because I, you know, really like Filthy Tom Lawler a lot. Great freaking dude, uh, great talent, great guy to work with, and they just had a match that just did not work for this audience at all. It was a no ropes, no rules match, and I, you know. I've been so busy, I haven't looked at every stip of every match, and I knew this was going to be no ropes, but when I thought no ropes, I thought maybe blood sport, which I thought would be a lot of, you know, a lot of fun, and this was basically just no ropes with plunder, and the typical stuff, garbage cans, and 
they did some cool stuff. Like I'm glad they used the ring posts, you know, at the, that was cool. Uh, with no ropes, it was, you know, that was pretty brutal looking. But like I said, all the standard stuff, chairs, trash cans, trash can lids. People are calling for table. They didn't get a table, but they got a door. Or like, a, you know, because New Japan apparently just keeps doors under their ring, right? So um, a ladder came into play. Uh, Tom came on the top rope with a diving head, but off the ladder, which was nuts. <laughs> Crazy. But the, the probably the, even crazier than that was Homicide had the door set up against the, against the guardrail, you know, and and Homicide picks up Tom Lawler in a fireman's carry for a Death Valley driver position, and he just runs and jumps off the ring, and and Death Valley drives Tom Lawler through the the door on the floor, you know. And from my perspective, like where I saw, like luckily, like everything worked out perfectly, and you know, no one was hurt badly, and. You know, Tom didn't break his neck, and it's just, it was, you know, very small room for air there. Like, I was thinking, like, what if, you know, Homicide would have ran and tripped on his way before he jumped, and like, oh, it just was, but this match just was not working, and I've seen this many times at New Japan when they come to the United States, and I remember their first show in Long Beach that I went, that the first U.S. show in Long Beach. Um, I went to that show, did a long drive. Um, that's where I first saw uh, New Japan Super Fans, Jacqueline and Carissa. There, they were, you know, they were front row, just having a ball, and then I ended up getting to know them on Twitter. And you know, great people. And then you know, I got to meet them for the first time in person at the show. That was cool. Um, but I remember at, at that Long Beach show, there was a match with. The, match with war machine and the gorillas of destiny for the iwgp tag team titles and they brought in the tables and shit like that and i'm like why they do that you know it's just not it's almost like they felt like they have to do tables or some kind of hardcore uh stipulation because you know we're in the united states and that's what they do and i'm just like it just doesn't. It just didn't work, and the crowd was just laughing at this. You know, they were just, they were just. It it kind of took the crowd out of it for a bit, and I don't blame Homicide. I don't blame Tom Lawler. They're just giving their direction. You know, this is what the match that New Japan wanted. But I felt like they could have just had a better match, honestly, as just a regular singles match or submission and rules match. If you know, if you really wanted, you know. Do some kind of a stipulation, but not this, not the plunder. It, it just, well, I know Jacqueline probably liked it, but she likes the hardcore stuff. But like most, for the most part, at least from the the side I was on, people were just kind of just laughing and it felt like it was going forever. When they announced 15 minutes of the laps, people were like, Grown like oh, you hear the chat like this is what, this has gone that long. It's, my God, when are they gonna end it? You know, and I think right when someone said when are they gonna end this, they they went started going to the finish and and after all the plunder, after garbage cans, after trash can lids, after flying headbutts off the ladder, chairs, 
DVDs through a door. Tom Lawler wins with a rear naked choke and uh, Homicide just passes out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they should have just had a submission match or, you know, or I quit match or something like that or something. Fuck. I just, I just wish New Japan, I think they, they think like, oh, you know, this is the United States. They want this. They want chairs. They want tables. No, we want. I think when people think New Japan wrestling, they want wrestling, good wrestling matches, good quality wrestling matches with the top athletes. And, you know, they got the Gaga with WWE and AEW that they do that. I mean, it's no big deal when someone goes through a table. No big deal when because it happens every freaking Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, like it, it, um, and sometimes on Sunday and at your local indie show that you're going to go that, that Saturday. And, you know, it's just not a big deal. It means nothing. It's just done for a cheap pop. And um, I just would like to see New Japan just leave that stuff to us, American wrestling, you know, and I hope they kind of, I can only wish they would cut back on it, but of course they won't. Uh, it's so, yeah, I, I mean, I love Tom Lawler. It's, it hurts me to say that this he had the, you know him and Homicide had the worst match of the night, but it's just the way it was. It was it was the worst match because you know I like I said I, I think it missed its mark and and again not knocking on Homicide, not knocking on Filthy Tom Lawler. It's what I'm 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 knocking on New Japan for for booking this so. Next match was for the New Japan World Television Championship. Zack Sabre Jr. with one of the ugliest championship belts I've ever seen. Uh, Submitted Clark Connors in 14 minutes and 6 seconds. Uh, The New Japan TV title matches have 15 minutes time limits. Similar to WCW television titles, um, which usually had a 20-minute to 15-minute. Sometimes they had 10-minute. I used to love the... uh, Title online for the first 10 minutes, but then it's not online for the duration of the match. And then the, the challenger would get the pin after the 10 minutes. So the build up to a title match. I used to love that. Um, but New Japan rules are if the match goes Broadway or time limit draw, the winner is determined by coin flip. <laughs> so after grappling and wrestling and hitting suplexes and hard strikes, it's all going to come down to a coin flip. It goes to the time limit draw. I'm not a big fan of that at all. I I just say, hey, how about this? How about they get an extra five minutes? And then after five minutes and they and go to a time limit again, then that's it. It's a draw. But each match is 15 minutes, but there's also that overtime period of five minutes. And I just... Yeah, the coin flip thing needs to stop because how does anyone get over by winning by a coin flip, right? I just, it's not good for anyone. And I was just joking with the guys that I hope like when they ever do the coin flip, and I don't know if they have, I I didn't watch the tournament portion of it. Maybe they did, but I hope it's like a big gaudy ass, (laughs) big gaudy uh, coin that you just throw up in the air and just, you ever can see it from the top deck to the, you know, front row to the top deck. I see this big old shiny ass coin, but um, 
Yeah, but this was a good match. You know, uh, Saber is a you know, his technical wrestling is really good. Clark Connors is uh, one of my favorite of the LA Joe guys that graduated. He's doing like this this cowboy gimmick, kind of looked like a Latin lover deal. He had like tassels on his hat, kind of covered his face. Those had flashbacks of uh, a handsome stranger in global wrestling. The the future Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Um, I don't know. I mean, this I don't know that it, this really is Clark Connor. I don't know if it really fits him, but I like the white rhino gimmick where he was just a uh, a straightforward little badass. He still is. Um. But he's a, I love watching this guy work. I think he's he's fantastic. And um, they had a really good match, an awesome finishing sequence. And as you know, one minute left, right when they hit the one minute, I felt like okay, they're gonna go right to the finish. And sure enough, Zack Saber Jr. got the arm bar and got the tap from Clark Connors. So really solid matches. So next up was for the IWGP Women's Championship, the big match, truly the big match of the night for the the people live. Uh, in attendance, uh, this was the biggest reaction of all when they are previewing the matches early on uh, the card on the video screen. And uh, this is the match that sold the tickets. And this is the most highly anticipated match on the card. Uh, Mercedes Martinez. I'm sorry, Martin, Mercedes Monet, excuse me. I always want to say Mercedes Martinez. Mercedes Monet, the former Sasha Banks, making her... New Japan Wrestling debut, first match after her post WWE career. Um, this was like I said, the crowd was super hyped. Um, the entrances are treated as a, as a, as a big deal. Uh, Mercedes came out before she came out there. They had these dancers at 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 the stage dancing for a while. Building up her to her appearance, but the problem was it was really dark at the stage area, and the dancers were all wearing black. So I can see them doing dance move. I couldn't really visually see them, and I just it it came off pretty minor league. Um, I felt bad because these 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 dancers are doing their thing, and you can barely see them. I just decided to look up at the screen to see if how it looked on video, and it's, it looked even darker. Uh, but once Mercedes made her, her entrance with her, her gear honoring Hannah Camaro, which I thought was a nice touch, um, she can't, you know, she's a star. You know, she's a big time star, been on, you know, WWE for many years. Uh, crowd was adores her. She had the crowd in her hand, they were there to see her win the title. Um, Kyrie came out, big entrance. Um, she's amazing. Um, just the whole pirate get the character, the entrance was really cool. Crowd loved her as well. There was a really strong, strong, uh, portion of the crowd that really wanted Kyrie to retain the title. Um, this match I thought was, was, was very good. Um, but I had some issues with it. Um, some critiques that there's like a, some tone, some tonal shifts, I guess, you know, some, some things that didn't really match up to what they were trying to tell in the ring. Um, you know, both are baby faces truly. Cause you know, with that reaction, the cr- crowd was not going to boo Sasha Banks. Right. 
Um, even though she did attack Kyrie and technically she was a heel, but I mean, her whole entrance <laughs> wasn't of a heel, you know, it was, you know, a very baby face, big time entrance, you know, she wasn't out there trying to get heat before the match. She's out there, you know, this is her big moment and crowds behind her, you know, nine, 90% of them. And so to me, this was a babyface, babyface match, and they wrestled like that for a while. And you know, Sasha did a couple heelish, like subtle heel stuff, nothing too major, uh, which is okay. You know, one's gonna be heel bit. You know, it's to be expected in babyface, babyface matches. Uh, like at one point, Kyrie got this double legs crab, like she, you know. Crossed it like a scorpion deathlock, bent back. Didn't have her leg inside, scissoring inside like the truly scorpion deathlock. But, you know, Kyrie had a version of that, that scorpion deathlock. And and she was like bridging back. And, you know, Sasha pulled the hair to escape. And I don't mind that, you know. Like, Sasha had nowhere to go. She, desperate times, you know. <laughs> you know, you got to do what you got to do to, you know, for she's going to submit. So she pulled the hair. I get it. You know, a little, a little half foul thing's not bad. You know, for, you know, things get a little heated. But then there's a moment where Sasha pulls a referee in front of Kyrie and the referee takes a bump. So it's like beyond a subtle heel move. This is a, it's a major heel move, right? She purposely put the referee, the official, in harm's way. And now he's out. And then they start fighting on the floor. And they start going up that rampway. And I'm like, what's going on here? Right? Like, where did this come out of happen? Right? Then they go by the top of the ramp. Then they go to the, to the, yeah, to the right of the ramp. If you're looking at the entrance. To the left, if you're coming out of the entrance. And they start fighting over there. And, and, very dark area again, you know. Um, Sasha under the rampway, under the stage that they had, the ramp going down, pulls out a table because apparently we just stacked tables right there. And how did she know that table was right there? And how did she know that this match was going to get this heated where she had to use that table? So we'll have, if we think of this as a realistic match, she had this set up. She had set up. I'm gonna use the referee. I'm gonna pull the referee. And once the referee's down, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the table, try to power bomb or suplex, carry the table. I'm gonna do something so evil to win this championship, right? <laughs> but Kyrie ends up reversing it, and Kyrie ends up power bombing Sasha to the table. Crowd pops. I know people are like, well, that's what they did it because the crowd pop. Well, shit, they'll pop for any table break, right? The crowd's chant for fucking tables. It's a cheap pop. But it didn't fit this match at all. It just made no sense. Unless she was going to, Sasha's going to do something really dirty towards the end as well to cheat the win. But no, she won cleanly. She won the belt cleanly soon after. You know, they get actually. Not soon after, they wrestled a while longer, back and forth, trading near falls. And then Sasha finally got the win. The match went 26 minutes and 47 seconds. And then after the match is over, 
it's hugs, it's kisses, it's fist pumps, it's show respect, you know, oh my god, you know, Mercedes is crying, you know, Kyrie's crying, like, it's just like this magical moment, Kyrie's helping strapping the belt around Mercedes, if you're gonna do all that at the end, if you're gonna show that mutual, you know, mutual uh, respect, all that, you know, have Kyrie belt uh, a Mercedes at the end of the match and do the whole, like, we did this for women's wrestling in New Japan. We made a statement with this man. All this stuff, right? Why did you have Why did you have Mercedes pull the referee, referee bump? Why did you have her try to, you know, end Kyrie's career with the table or trying to powerball? It just made no sense. And that's why I say this match, if you take that out, it's is is a really good match. But since that's what happened, I can only say it was a, a good to a, a a very good match. You know, is this classic that people are gushing about? I think it was a magical moment. But if you're talking about the match itself, bell to bell, it was it's not a classic match. And I, you know, I know people like will be frustrated by my review, but that's why I said early on, like, you know, this is an honest review. You're not going to hear this review from many people unless, you know, no one's going to give it. They're, most of the reviews you hear on the show are going to be like, oh, it was a classic. It was great. It was a magical moment. It was magical, but it wasn't a classic. There was issues with this match. And, you know, I'm not knocking this match. I, you know, I, I, you might think so. he's just bashing it. I'm not bashing. I'm just giving construction, constructive criticism pointing out the flaws, just like I love, you know, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I love the Star Wars films. Are they freaking cinema classics? Or, you know, some are, but like most of them aren't. But I love them, and I understand they have flaws, and I don't get heated when someone criticizes their flaws because their flaws are there. And I'm just pointing out the flaws of this match. Uh, You know, I, you know, but, you know, Sasha... Or as Mercedes, you know, she's from a time where a table is just a spot thing to do. Yeah. But sometimes you gotta think like, well, how does this really fit? I think they're they're thinking like, well, this will crowd will pop for this. You know, they'll pop if we do a table. Like I said, I know they'll pop. Of course they will. That's no 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 brainer. Right? But does it make sense? And it just looked awkward as hell. Like I said, at the end, when they're sitting there hugging and, and, and holding hands and, and taking bows to the audience, and they go, did you just, Sasha, did you just pull that referee and in front of the, you know, Kyrie and the referee takes a bump and you try to, you know, break little Kyrie's back with a power bomb, you know, to the table, you took it to another level of violence that didn't need to be. It just doesn't make sense. So that was my uh, critique of that match. So, but overall, like I said, the moment itself was very magical. I think overall, you know, Mercedes and Kyrie made a, a strong statement for this division. We'll see if they can keep this up. Um, I think, I think Scott. Uh, from uh, the five star Josie podcast, said it, said it, said it, said it well on the uh, Road to WrestleMania podcast with Garrett Gonzalez on our YouTube channel. Check that out. Uh, Scott, expert of Joshi wrestling, and 
and he 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 said it correctly. Like at the Tokyo Dome, Kyrie and her opponent um, only got like what five minutes. This match here showed that you can give the women more time opportunity on future big New Japan shows. So, um, and that's what I think. So what you're gonna see, I think that's what I think that's what Mercedes and that's what Kyrie did is open some open the eyes a little wider to the New Japan uh, management on women's wrestling. And of course, I think New Japan will continue to feature women's wrestling in a, in a strong position with at with Mercedes as champion because they invested a good amount of money to have her over to sign her you know I, I'm sure she took less because you know she's a very passionate um, uh, person about Japanese wrestling and you know this is something that she just wants to do and she wants to to she doesn't want you know opportunity to slip by she has opportunity to do it now and she's gonna do it for it might be a year it might be less but she wants to do it and and New Japan's investing a lot, so they're, she's going to be featured a lot. And um, so I think at future shows you will see longer matches on uh, on New Japan shows in Japan when it comes to women's wrestling. The main event, of course, I was really looking forward to this match the most of all uh, for me because you know, as I mentioned on my uh, Take It On podcast last week or this past weekend. Uh, Kazuchika Akata and Hiroshi Tanahashi are, you know, one of the best in-ring rivalries in wrestling history. Um, I mentioned, like, you know, I was, you know, I've seen footage of some, but you know, wish I was there live to see a Dory Funk Jr. versus Jack Briscoe match or a Ric Flair versus Rick Steamboat match. Uh, but, and I always wished I want to see Tanahashi versus Okada, and I and I missed it and. July of 2019 for the, the when they had the G1 opening night in the United States in Dallas. I thought, okay, I'll never not have my chance. I missed it. And then boom, right in my hometown, I got Tanahashi and Okada for the IWGB Championship in the main event. Um uh, Okada won with the Rainmaker in 21 minutes and eight seconds. Uh so a little shorter than their uh just like a minute shorter than their uh um G1 match from that Dallas Dallas show. It was a really good match. They they played all the hits that of their you know all the the, the stuff you see in their matches. Um, Tanahashi is such a legend, such a beloved figure, and people just really root for him. So they, I think people like, I think kind of everyone kind of like knew like Okada's probably going to retain here, but let's all kind of fall into like Tanahashi might have that moment. And they of course they they're so good and. Tanahashi had a couple really good uh, near falls, and and Okada really did a great job of kicking out just in time. Um, you know, when when uh, Tanahashi went for the high five flow and hit it, you know, on the back of Okada, but then got up and wanted to go for it again. I'm like, no, just pin him right there. Don't go. You know, I was just, you know having fun falling into it. Uh, of course, you know, Tanahashi went for it. Got got his knees up. Uh, freaking look great. Uh, and of course, then Okada won with the Rainmaker, and, and Tanahashi put a great bump on that. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a fun, it was really fun to see these two, you know, rivals go at it and have a great match. And, um, it was really honored to see this match. So I'm glad that, you know, we got it, we got it here in San Jose. So overall, 
my overall thoughts on this uh, Battle of the Bay show from New Japan was a, a, a really good show. You know, like I said, there's a few matches that, you know, one match was I just did not like at all. Um, it's called matches were okay, but for the most part, like everything's pretty good, you know, and it's going to be a, 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 an event that I uh, uh, talked about for a very long time, especially because of Mercedes Monet's first match in New Japan and win the title. And, you know, um, is it, you know, how, we'll see how this plays in the future and how we look back on it. But I think we're going to look back on it fondly and, and uh, as, a, as, a, as a big moment. And um, definitely one of the best uh, New Japan shows, I think the best New Japan show they've had in San Jose. I'm pretty sure. I'm trying to think of the other one I missed. And the other one I went to was 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 pretty good. But I think this one far exceeds that, that one. So, um Thank you guys for joining me for this very special edition of the Take It Home Podcast. I really wanted to get my live perspective out there on the the show and share with you all. So if you had any feedback, give me a give me a, send me a message on on Twitter at LaRockaJL. That's L A R O C C A J L. Hit me up on there. Let me know. Let me know what you think. What we talking about the review. You agree or don't agree with my critiques of the Mercedes Monet match, um, and uh, you know if you're there live, I'd love to hear your uh, your thoughts on it as well. Everyone have a good week. Take care.